the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions. It's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. George Camel, Ramsey personality, soon to be a number one best-selling author of the book Breaking Free from Broke, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Dave starts this hour in Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, Dave. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Good afternoon. Hey, what's so up? My, my question is, uh, my wife and I are on Baby Step 7. And we want to be able to help out our kids. We have grown adult kids. Uh, One of them just got married, and the other one is a grad student in college. And we want to be able to help them in such a way that, you know, whether it's paying, you know, helping pay for a a down payment on a house or something like that, we, we want to help them and have it be a blessing, but not make them feel entitled or not, you know, kind of make them feel like they're just waiting on us to, to provide. Hmm. Are they waiting on you now? Oh, no, no. So there's not already a sense of entitlement. You're just worried that handing them $30,000 might create more entitlement? Right. Hmm. I mean, you know, we, like, throughout the course of them growing up, you know, we, we paid for their, their state college. Uh, you know, they we basically provided them, you know, when they graduated from undergrad, you know, we got them a nice, reliable used car and kind of set them on the path and said, all right, you're, you're, you know, you're never going to borrow money to buy stuff like that. You know, you're the next car you buy, you're going to save up and pay cash for it. Uh, you know, you're, you're not going to have any student loans. Um, and are, so are they doing, are they all, doing all of those things? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, um, good. Well, here's the thing. I don't think the gift causes the entitlement. I mean, you could give one person uh, a dollar and they f- would be entitled, and you could give another person a hundred million dollars and they wouldn't feel entitled. So entitlement is an arrogance. Entitled is I am due the I, I, I'm I'm on third base. Uh, I was born on third base, walking around acting like I hit a triple. You know, and you didn't do squat. You know, so entitlement is I am due something from someone there's an it's an arrogance and uh it's my right to get this i'm entitled to health care i'm entitled to something and it's your it's it's basically saying you're willing to you, you improperly believe that you have rights over someone else's stuff right that makes sense so entitlement oh, sure. is an attitude it's not a it's not caused by an amount and so it sounds like you got really good kids that you're describing. Yeah, I mean they they worked really hard for for everything they have. I mean I'm I'm a teacher, so uh, you know I feel like they, you know they we live in a a pretty nice suburb, and yeah. you know the reason that they had their schooling paid for is because we didn't go out and buy all the things that maybe yeah. their friends had, and you know we but they didn't know, we they didn't walk around acting better. like that you had to do that or you were a bad human. It was just what you did. And so, you know, like, you know, I have a friend that bought his uh, kids when they got married, he bought them a paid for house and said, um, you know, you, the only thing I ask from you is that you promise to never borrow money the rest of your life. And uh, those kids have gone on to become millionaires fairly quickly, obviously. Got a head start with a nice house, you know, I mean, and they got no payments. So they're 
piling it up. But <clears throat> those kids were not entitled at all. They they were just grateful, and um, I know the kids well, and, and they were, um, you know, they've gone on to become normal grown adults, and they just got a real nice head start because dad because their dad and mom had done well, like you guys. So I, I think it's about the attitude. Uh, the thing you don't want to do, I, I guess, one thing you could say is just, you know, don't develop an expectation with this gift of this down payment for this house that I'm always going to be here handing out money. This is a one-time thing. And you could just say that one thing to make sure there's clarity about it. Right. But, but the entitlement has to do with their lack of character, not about you giving them a, 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 an education or giving them a car or giving them money for a down payment. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I guess the other thing I question I have with that is, you know, I, I want to, I, you know, this is a gift. I mean, I'm not, I know I hear you constantly talk about how, you know, when your kids are grown, you can't use your dad voice anymore. You, right. you know, you, they're, they're basically we're, we're walking together as, as friends and yep. maybe, you know, I'm, I can be a mentor, but you know, I can suggest some things, but ultimately it's, it's their choice. And so, you know, that's the thing. Well, my gift, you know, my you gift know. would be contingent upon them, you know, doing these things. I mean, I, I don't have to, the, the, a promise that they continue to go that direction. Uh, and I do have the right to attach that with a gift. I'll give you an example. The Ramsey Family Foundation, we give to a lot of ministries. We do not give to ministries that borrow money. And so the gift is contingent upon, you know, the, the, the fact that that ministry is not going to go into debt. And, and use some of the money I gave them to pay stinking bank interest. That'd be stupid. Dave Ramsey be giving people money for that, right? So, I mean, right. that, but that's a gift that has control on it. And, you know, if there's going to be a gift in another year, uh, that the follow-up gift will not happen if they have borrowed money during that year. We stop them, you know? So it's the same thing. But that, that So it's okay to put a, a – to attach a – contingency to a gift yeah and i i think the worry for our friend dave here is that he's worried his generosity of trying to offer them this blessing will turn into laziness but he hasn't raised lazy kids so this will not cause that to happen the gift in and of itself doesn't cause that to happen i mean it can can be part of the equation that caused it i mean if you got a trust fund baby that's waiting on okay i'm gonna you know at at age 30 you're gonna get two million dollars and so they decide, well, I'm not going to work much. I'm just going to sit around and wait till I hit 30. Well, but the problem was it was not just the $2 million at age 30. The problem was the person you raised to be that freaking lazy, you know, that mediocre mindset. And, and so the fact that you plugged that into them before you made this announcement about this trust gift. And, and so that's the problem with a trust fund baby, you know, mm-hmm. right there, the classic stereotype. Because that's a sense of entitlement. Well, you've said that an eagle that doesn't, uh, is it a turkey, an eagle that doesn't leave the nest is called a turkey. Right. I love that. And that's, I think, the worry for every parent out there. But he's saying, hey, my kids are getting an education. They have jobs. They're getting married. They're not stuck in mom's basement. And he's going, here's $30,000. That's a very different now, you situation. Got, you should be, in order for uh, a, a parent in Dave's situation to come alongside and start dumping money on the situation, you should be, that they should already be on fire and you're just adding some fluid. You're adding a little gas to the fire. Mm. Not like wet wood is sitting there, and we're going to throw some gas on it and hope it lights up. That's a little different. That's the difference, right? I mean, so you're, you're all you're doing is trying to accentuate the good things that are already happening 
further those things, good things that are already happening. Not, but you're not going to with a gift like wet wood. So the kid needs to already be on fire. That's the deal. This is the Ramsey Show. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, it's Dr. John Deloney, and one of the most common questions I get is how to get something off your chest. A deep secret you've never told anyone, or maybe something that happened to you, something you've done that you're worried about because bringing it to light will disrupt your life, anything. I say this all the time, secrets will kill you, but it's hard to know where to start when it comes to talking about scary, dark things. Therapy can be a safe, effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I've personally been blessed to have a great therapist who helps me get those heavy things off my chest. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's flexible because it's online, so you can suit it to fit your schedule. Just fill out a short questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. It's time to get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. George Campbell, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host today. Thank you for being with us, America. We appreciate you. We appreciate you sharing the show. Click the share button, following and subscribing and leaving five-star reviews and all those good things. Thank you. When you click subscribe or follow, or you click the share button, or you take a link and you share it, or you tell somebody where you're listening on talk radio, it changes our life around here. It's our rankings, our ratings on every platform have gone up dramatically in the past 12 months. And it's largely, we're blaming it on you because you shared it. Thank you. George is a big deal, isn't it? Huge. And I mean, we hit number one on all podcasts recently, which was just mind blowing. Number one on Apple. Big time. We were doing the same show, which tells me it's largely due to all of the folks out there who are helping us share the spread yeah. the word. Yeah, we didn't suddenly get smarter. It didn't. I change. wish I could yeah. say that. I'd like we just to. Had one like, amazing show, did it, Dave? So, so we had a breakthrough. No, we didn't. Just still here doing what we do. Linda's in Phoenix. Hey, Linda, how are you? Hi. Good. Good. How can we help? Um, so my husband and I, we currently own a home. We've been here for twelve years. We have a really awesome interest rate on it, low mortgage, and we are thinking about buying another house, and we want to keep our current home as an investment property, but I'm just a little bit um, worried that it's going to strap us financially too much, and just kind of wanted to get your thoughts. I wouldn't. (laughs) You wouldn't buy it? No. No, I mean, I'd sell the house and buy another house, but I wouldn't keep your other house. I know that because you have a mortgage on it. Okay. And, and well, your first your really, first goal, really your first goal to becoming wealthy, one of the top two things you need to do, there's two big things to get to the first million to five million in net worth is get your residence paid for, be a hundred percent debt free, and build up your retirement in mutual funds. Those are the two primary things that cause people to get their first one to five million. It is not leveraged borrowed rental property that is not what causes the typical first one to five million all the research we've done studying ten thousand millionaires so uh everybody talks about how good rental property is rental property is wonderful if it's paid for and your home is paid for but that's not the situation you're in 
Okay, so you say this house needs to be paid off before if we wanted to have two. Well, and you would need to pay cash for the next house. Okay. Yeah, we couldn't do that. I know. I can tell. Let's pretend you were sitting in a paid-for home and you wanted to buy a rental property. I would tell you to do that with cash. It's what I, by the way, have done. Buy the rental property with cash. Everything with cash. Never buy real estate with debt. Because here's what happens. You, you you don't make as much on them because you're, you're eating up your cash flow with payments. And you, you all of a sudden, the way you're dealing with the tenant changes because you need the rent money to pay the payment. Right. You know how much I need rent? I've got, I've got a bunch of real estate. You know how much I have to collect the rent on any of it? None of it because I don't have any debt. And so I don't have to put a bad tenant in there hoping they'll pay because I got to make the bank note. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. There's no desperation when you do it that way. And you're you're worried that you mentioned that's wisdom. That's your body telling you this is not a good idea. And so doing it this way, it's going to take longer, but you're going to do it with a lot of peace and a lot of patience. Yeah. So if I were going to move in your situation, I would just sell that house, move the equity to the next property, get that personal residence paid off, and then start saving and pay cash for your first rental. That, by the way, is exactly what I did the second time I built wealth. The first time I was a millionaire, I did it with borrowed money on real estate, and I went bankrupt and lost everything because I was leveraged up to my eyeballs, and I was stupid. So I wasn't stupid. What I was doing was stupid. And if you're out there doing it, you're not stupid, but what you're doing is really stupid. So there we go. Well, Dave, this was another part I love. She said, uh, we've been here 12 years. I love the interest rate. I don't love the house. I just love the interest rate. People are hanging George, do you, on to Do these. you love the interest rate that you have? No, because I don't got one. The interest rate you have is zero. It's a wonderful I love interest your interest rate. rate. Thank you, Dave. I love my interest rate. It's zero. I don't have an interest rate. But that's the toxic money culture, Dave. They're saying you should get obsessed with a low interest rate, a low payment. That's the key. No, the key is be... If you're going anything. to borrow to buy your home, date the rate, marry the house. The interest rate should be looked at as a temporary thing, not something we're going to keep around like a family heirloom. So Pass it on to my grandkids, Dave. It's a one. We're going to make sure everybody gets you a little. No, that's not. That's right, though. That's how people talk about it. And that's not making fun of her. That's just what, but that's how people think in America today. So, Linda, what we're always big on around here is getting you out of debt, keeping you out of debt, because it is the shortest, most sustainable way to build wealth, the shortest path to proven wealth building because you don't have any payments you have money and then you get to buy more stuff and help more people and be more generous chris is in new york city hey chris welcome to the ramsey show hi dave hi george thanks for taking my call sure what's up well i am uh, hoping to get some advice from you uh in terms of streamlining and uh streamlining and um Simplifying our investments, uh, we rent right now. Uh, we also, uh, our business uh, is mortgaging a property, and that's, uh, we have about 350 left in the mortgage. But we also own outright a rental property that's uh, probably worth about 200. And I have, we have, my wife and I have um, about 55,000 in a whole life policy and 65 in stocks. And I was thinking, Maybe we should sell the rental and then cash out uh, 
the life insurance policy and the stocks to pay off, either pay off the mortgage on the business building or to buy a place to live outright. So I was hoping to you could help me shed some light. Oh, either one of those would be a wonderful idea. Neither need. I mean, either one's fine with me. If you buy a home, then what we're going to do is lean over next and start using cash flow to start paying off the the business mortgage. If you pay off the mortgage, we're going to use the cash flow to start saving up to buy a house. Either way, so um, I mean, at the end of the story, both properties are debt free, and uh, that that end is not that far down the road. I mean, at the end of three to five years from today, that's where you ought to be. What's your household income? Uh, we make uh, about one twenty a year. Okay, all right, right. And uh, what what has made it so difficult is our rent is just really. Uh, our landlord has been wonderful, and the rent has been so cheap. But, yeah, that, that's uh, that's I nice. Started but... listening to you about a month ago, you know, and I feel like yeah, it's 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 time to make things simpler. Yeah, and so and I like things, I like uh, your idea of simplicity, but also, you know, the, you may have cheap rent, but that property is going up in value in his name. That's you're, you're right. You're right about that. Yeah. You want to be an owner, not a loaner, so, man. So you'll get there. I would do this move anyways. I would cash out this whole life policy. I'm selling the stocks. And I think simplifying your life without the volatility of the stocks, without the crappiness of that whole life policy, your life's going to be better. Yeah. And get rid of the rental and buy you a home. I, I like love this. That. I can like get that. you another rental later on down the road. But. Yeah. I mean, you're, you make good money and you get the business paid off and uh, you're sitting there really making some serious money. No house payment, no business payment. Boom, mm-hmm. boom. We've got what we call margin at that Increased point. Increased cash flow. Cash flow. Yeah, money's flying everywhere. You start stacking cash at that point, and you can get your, um, I mean, you get yourself in a really, really pretty position. Mm. The thing snowballs in the right direction, you know, because the more of the stuff you own that you don't have payments and you've got a good income, uh, you know, it starts feeding on itself. And all of a sudden you look over there and it's, where's all this money come from? Oh, I'm not giving it all to the bank. I'm not supporting those towers in the skyline that has furniture nicer than I have. It is amazing when you look at the rental property numbers people share, and they go, "I'm going to go. How much are you making a year off of this? Twelve hundred bucks, hundred bucks a month." I'm like, "You're doing all of this for twelve hundred dollars?" Which also means, by the way, they're probably losing money. Oh yeah. At the end of the day, I mean that's that's not our friend on the call here, but that's no. many people out there. They're doing oh. too much at once, fiddling around, trying to skip ahead. Yeah, you no have a hundred dollar a month cash flow. You're not making money because. Um, I mean, one heating and air filter, and you're done. You know, oh my gosh. You're in the red. Just one little thing, one little one little sink issue, you're done. Yeah, ah, there's no, no room in that. That's no fun. This is The Ramsey Show. So here's a quick math refresher. There are only 24 hours in a day, so your business needs to streamline tasks that are time suckers and focus on activities that make money. So to reduce headaches as they scale, smart businesses use NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system. NetSuite helps you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform. So join the more than 37,000 smart businesses like Ramsey Solutions that have done the math and graduated to NetSuite. And right now, you can download NetSuite's KPI checklist absolutely free at netsuite.com slash Ramsey. That's netsuite.com slash Ramsey. George Camel, Ramsey personality, co-host of Smart Money Happy Hour with Rachel Cruz. He's my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Michael is with us. Michael's in Louisville, Kentucky. Hey, Michael, how are you? 
Great. How are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? Um, my girlfriend and I are being uh, getting married uh, this year, and um, we are combining households. Um, we both have. She has a grown child, and I have two kids that are getting ready to go into college, and uh, just trying to see what's the best way to kind of combine. Uh, you know, with a blended family and assets, you know, previous assets and things like that. Um, what's the best way of going about combining that fairly? Where you know, my kids are taken care of the way I've been planning for years and, and, her, and her, obviously her thoughts as well with her own. Hmm. Well, it, it's an emotional series of decisions. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure there's a wrong way or a right way to do it. It's whatever you guys sit down and come up with is the right way. I don't, I don't think there's an immoral or a moral issue or an ethics issue. Um, I'm old school on kids. And so our kids understood when they were growing up that the number one thing in my life was not them. It was their mother. I understand. It was their mother. And they get their second right behind their mother. But don't get between me and your mother. That won't work well for you. And so uh, were I to remarry if Sharon were to pass away, um, I would have the same concerns that you've got, but I would want to, my first goal would be to that, to take care of my wife. Sure. And so and my second, my second goal uh, would be if there's anything left, we can help the kids, but okay. they're like supposed to be well, grown ups and on their own. Correct. And I agree. Um, I guess more of a technical question too was, you know, um, maybe not. Uh, I have a home that's paid for, and she has a home that's still got a mortgage on it. Mm-hmm. Other than that, we don't have any debt. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a 401k in my retirement and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, she has basically her home is her asset that she's been thinking of leaving to her kids or her child, you know, someday or it'd be her really her only asset that I'm going to combine my home, sell mine entirely and put all of that into hers to help start to pay off a big chunk of the mortgage and do some improvements and then we yeah, which will change her plan there. that would change her plan if you're going to yeah, be living there and she good. dies and it's her and the house is going to her kids she's going to make her new husband homeless correct after yeah, you put money would, in it is there a way to yes i guess that's a way how do you how do you lay things out where i don't i don't know i guess to put her mind at ease i'm not really sure how to word that where you yeah. know things will be there's not a there's there's um i mean you you could you you could start using a bunch of trusts and have putting things into a trust and the trust has certain terms to it and you're going to spend a ton of money on that um and um but i i think what you're feeling is a natural tension and i would feel the same tension if i were in your shoes and i'm validating that but i think the two of you have got to decide okay what is more important to the two of you, if you're going to take several hundred thousand dollars, dump it into her house, right? And yeah. now it becomes our house. Oh, but wait, it's going to her kids. Well, that's screwed up. That's going to create a yeah. problem. And so maybe her cha- her plan is going to change now. You know? Yeah. Maybe her new husband is going to get the house if she dies. And yeah. uh, it really, in my my thoughts were, whoever goes first, obviously the other person, that's is, everything is theirs. And yep. then... When they're gone, it can go 
you know, three ways to everybody and divide it up however, you know. Yeah, or you can leave the portion that was going to be her house to her kid and the portion that was going to be your stuff to your kids. I mean, there's no there's no right or wrong thing. And it's not wrong to leave the house to her kid if she wanted to. It just leaves you homeless, and it's really weird. Yeah. It, feel, it feels yeah. awkward, you know. But I have seen that. I've seen where the, the step-parent gets kicked out upon death. Yeah. And it can be really um, – Emotionally strenuous. That's a nice way of saying sure. it. Yeah. So I, I think that what, what I want to encourage you is really push through and don't. The problem with the other plan is, okay, you leave it all to her. She leaves it all to you. If you don't do that in a trust that states how things are going to be distributed, then the surviving spouse could change their will after the death of the, like say she passed away first. She left everything to you four years later. You're getting married again. You could change the whole will yeah. again, and her kid ends up getting nothing. Mm. You yeah. legally, legally, it'd be immoral. It'd be unethical Correct. for you to do that. But but legally, there's no way to keep that from happening except to dump it all into a trust upon death. And the trust has certain terms, and the terms are the distribution. You know, uh, maybe based on the past evaluation to to the kiddos upon your death or, or something like that. Cause you're, you're not going to be able to undo that tr- those trust terms. So you'd have to okay. see an estate planner to do that. That would be a mechanical way, a tactical way to pull it off. Now, Dave, would it be simpler to turn this into cash? Let's say they sell the property and she would get that amount, let's say of the equity as it stands today in an investment account. Would that simplify things? Well, she's, I mean, then he's buying the only house. Hmm. Because they know, have two houses right yeah, now, the paid-for one and the yeah, mortgage one. Yeah, but I'm saying the uh, either way, she's either got her cash sitting over here to the side, but if she passes away, she's just going to leave that cash, nothing to her husband, mm. you know, everything to her kid. I, you know. So the key is there's there's a lot of ways to skin this cat, but we have to be in agreement with both spouses, which is the hardest part. Yeah, and uh, and just promising that you'll do it in your will is not – binding legally i'm not an attorney but you find that out when you go sit with your estate planning attorney that's what they're going to tell you so but leaving it into a trust you could do that you could set terms of the trust and it's locked in there's nothing you can do about it if i was in their shoes i'd sit with the estate planning attorney have them lay out all of the options and then we agree which is the best route yeah and then but here's the thing part of what you're struggling with is before they met her children were her, her, her everything, mm-hmm. even though they're grown. His children, since he's divorced or his wife's first wife passed away, whatever, his children are his only concern priority-wise. But and and this new relationship changes the priority. The spouse now takes it that challenges seat. the priority position mm-hmm. in your emotions, and so that that's the hard thing to walk through, and it's very real. I mean, I I, I haven't had to do it, thank God, but. Um, but you know, it, it is a very, very real thing. It's, it, it's, um, you know, but you, I like to think that I would want to make sure my new wife was taken care of before I worried about my grown kids. You'd hope the kid would understand, but I'm sure it causes I, you know, relational turmoil. I don't care. I don't care. I mean, it's, it's, you know, what is, what's the primary relationship? Who's your first team? Then who's your second team? And that's what we're talking about here. And so the kiddos growing up understood their second team. You know, we love you. They're the B team. And we'll take a bullet for you. Um, but, but you know, 
you know, your your mom's coming first. Your mom's in front of you in, in priority. That's how but this I do, works. I love the idea of the kids being we so self-sustaining. They're not needing whatever's on the other side. Yeah, and that changes the whole equation when somebody doesn't feel entitled to it or need it. The kid says, well, that was my one shot at home ownership yeah. was getting mom's house, and yeah. now you ruined it. Well, they feel like that dad's assets are somehow they're entitled to them. They're not entitled to them. You have absolutely no moral or ethical obligation to leave your children money. So your kids doing heroin, don't leave them money. You'll kill them because you will leave them enough to buy enough heroin to kill themselves. Mm. So you, 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 you know, if you're, you know, think whatever other fill in the blank of any misbehavior said misbehavior, you will magnify the misbehavior. So you, the, I am under no obligation to leave my children money. And by the way, that's very clear around our place. They're grown, and we're like, you know, you, you're. I manage these assets for God. If you're not walking with God, then you don't have the opportunity to manage his assets. Boom, you're out. Sorry. Sorry, Charlie. Just like that. Charlie, yeah, King Charles. Rachel's <laughs> smallest, yes. Uh, and he is a, a king. No he plus. sleeps on a queen bed already, so that's I'm just the most saying. impressive part. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a neat question, Michael, and I, I, I struggle with you on it, but I encourage you to get closure on it. Don't just assume because you know what that does. Yeah. This is The Ramsey Show. I saw some recent financial statistics, and there was some pretty troubling news. When families were asked how long it would be before they faced financial hardship if a spouse died, nearly one-third said they'd be in trouble immediately. Another 44% said they'd be financially drained within six months. People, it does not have to be this way. Term life insurance plans are just plain cheap, and companies have made it even easier by not requiring exams in many cases. There really is no excuse to leave your family in this situation by not having life insurance. This is why I talk about Xander Insurance every day. They're committed to protecting families with the only products that I recommend, and their team keeps the entire process simple and affordable. Go to Xander.com for quick online pricing or call 800-356-4282. This has to be a priority. If your family is in this situation, you need to get this done. George Camel, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Thank you for joining us. Open phones at 888-825-5225. All right, America, ready for a pop quiz? What percentage of Americans say they live paycheck to paycheck? Oh, pick me. Pick me. <laughs> oh, oh, the, 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 the big guy in the front row. That's me. George. I'm going to go seven out of ten. Yeah, it's, this this survey says sixty five percent say they do. Six and a half people out of ten. There, there we you go. go. Half yeah, a person. So, yeah, and the um, you know, I've heard as high as seventy eight percent actually do. Mm. So somewhere around seven houses out of ten on your street have too much month left at the end of the money. Looking good and broke. B r o k e broke. Sitting at a stoplight, burning gas they bought on a credit card. Or worse, electricity that they financed on a credit card. Oh, yikes. Pick it on George here. That's even worse. Yeah. So you can stay stuck in the cycle, paycheck to paycheck, rat in a wheel, or you can change something. Stupid has a gravitational pull. Once you get stuck in the orbit around stupid, 
it's hard to break the orbit. And you just keep going and going and going and going, and you're the wrong kind of ever-ready bunny, right? Just a rat in a wheel, just going and going and going. No traction, living a life of mediocrity, no hope, not fired up. That's most people. You don't want to be like that. Let me tell you how you get out of an orbit, even if it's orbiting stupid. You have to expend energy to break the orbit. You have to break the cycle, break the family curse, break the way you grew up and the way you look at things, the way they talked in your neighborhood, the way they th- the kids I hung out with at work. Well, little man can't get ahead. Thank God it's Friday. Oh, God, it's Monday. We're all just stuck. Sure hope we can elect a president who'll fix my life because I'm not going to do anything about it. Yikes. You grow up around that, man. I'm telling you. That's the worst country song Eeyore ever. is your spirit animal. I mean, come on. Seriously. Yeah. So, to kick off the year, we're going to help you. We're going to host a free live stream this Thursday, January the 11th at 7 p.m. Central. 352,000 people have already registered. It's the largest live stream we've ever done. It's officially the largest. It's me, Dave Ramsey. Dr. John Deloney, Rachel Cruz, George Camel to my right, and Jade Warshaw are going to talk about navigating money anxiety, bad money habits that keep you stuck and how to break them, practical money tips that actually work. We're going to help you break the cycle, and we're going to give away $10,000. Ten people are going to get $1,000 each during the viewing. You have to be watching or you're not going to get it because that's going to be part of the deal, okay? So if you want to sign up, you want to watch, we would love to have you. It's this Thursday night at 7 o'clock breaking the cycle you go to ramseysolutions.com slash break the cycle it's completely free by the way completely free hello did i mention it's free it's amazing and it's going to be about an hour long so i'm just picturing if you just spend one hour with us hanging out on a free live stream it could change how this whole year goes for you financially and if we can change how you think and how you look at this then it'll change what you do and if we can help you change what you do then you're going to change your results and your results will change your life Now, we're not going to change your life. You're going to go do it. You're the hero in the story. We're just going to show you how. We really know how to do this. We're going to break you free from the orbit and get you on a different path. Yeah, and just just say, you know, you've been believing some stuff you didn't need to believe. You're better than your belief. Well, especially going into an election year, I feel like everyone just gets angry. Everybody's worried about inflation. The anxiety is so high out there. They're worried about interest rates. Man, I'm worried about, is the market going to crash? I'm worried about this, worried about that. And let me tell you what. We can show you what to do. We can show you the process. And it's, it's not magical. It's not get rich quick. It's not easy. I mean, we're going to teach you important things like live on less than you make. You ready to do that? There's a whole new idea. Concept Congress can't grasp. Nicola is with us in Jacksonville, Florida. Hi, Nicola. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Oh, Mr. Ramsey. Thank you so much for taking my call. Hope all is well with you. Um, so I, I, in my twenties, I listened to your, uh, uh, read your books and such purchased a home at 27. Um, however, I lost my job after 10 years and I sold my condo in 2016. I live at home. I'm now 42 and I created a lot of debt for myself, but I want to purchase a condo in 2025. So I just wanted your advice and a strategy of, on how, what, what debt to pay down first. Um, I have $10,000 in total debt, um, three personal loans, three credit cards, and I have $45,000 due 
student loan debt. I'm still in school seeking my master's, and I'll be done at the end of the year, so I'm not currently paying that. Right now, I have $36,420 in my 401k. I, I know I borrowed from my 401k uh, $20,000 to pay off my debt, which I accrued again. Um, so right now, biweekly, I'm paying one seventy one ninety four at 4.5% interest on my 401k. All right. So what is your total debt outside of, uh, you, you don't have a mortgage now, so what's your total consumer debt? 10, oh. 10 plus 45 plus 20 on the 401, right? Yes. The, the, 75? The, yeah, 65? Is, no, the, the 401 is 36420 No, the so loan right now, balance. My, the loan on the 401 oh, is 20. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, $14,000 left to pay. Oh, 14 uh, on that. Okay. Yeah. And it's 171 biweekly on okay. my paycheck and a four point five. So you got about seventy thousand dollars in debt. And you make what? Um, right now it just got raised. So sixty sixty thousand four hundred. I you know, wasn't making much but now I am making more and I recently paid off my car in twenty twenty one. Unless your income um, changes, you're not gonna buy a house in twenty five. Right. What's your master's in? What what a condo. I wanted a condo. Um, okay. I work in education. Um I work in education, so it's obviously you don't get that much in education. So, will this master's um, increase your income? Condo. Um, not much. Then why not are you much, doing but it? It's required. Well, it's required. Um, right now, I'm not paying for it. The school pays for it, and okay. because I work in education, it's, it's required to have a higher degree. But the school pays ninety percent of that. Nicola, you need to pay off seventy thousand yeah. dollars. Save up a. Down, save up an emergency fund, then save up a down payment. Well, right now I have uh, $3,500. I just don't know if I should, but I have three personal loans, um, 35, 35, 25. Yeah, and, and you have 45000 in student loan debt, and you have $20,000 on a 401K. You have $70,000 in debt. Okay, I didn't look at it like that, but yes. So here's the hard truth. You're not going to be ready to buy a house a year from now. It may be two or three years from now. Wow. We have to get rid of the debt You completely. don't have 70000 coming in in the right. next 12 months. You have 60000 coming in, and you have 70000 in debt. Right. Yeah. Um, what? I was thinking maybe I should pay off my save-up this year, pay off you know, my uh, 401 k the $14,000 just flat-out paid off, or if I should pay the high interest rate that I have on the personal loan. I think we're beyond the math of interest rates. I would just list all of your debts out from smallest to largest, make minimum payments on all of the debts except for the smallest one, and we're going to attack that one with a vengeance, as much extra on the principal as you can throw at it, and that might mean you're doing side jobs after your master's program, after your full-time job. When and you complete your master's when? In the end of this year. So 12 more months? Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Do you have any time to do tutoring during while you're working on your master's? Not really. I mean, the job is, is pretty demanding. You know, sometimes I do have to work weekends. Now, you said um, you're living at home with your yes, parents? I do. Yes. Okay, and so you have almost no expenses. What are you having to pay for right now? The loans that I have and the credit cards. Um, I do give them, contribute $600. But it's the loans that I have, the personal loans. You know, situations happen, and obviously I did that. But Okay, honey, you're going to have to draw a line in the sand and quit borrowing money. I don't hear any more about your situations. You've situationed yourself into a, your parents' basement, and you got to quit situationing. So 
Um, cut up the credit cards. Get yourself on a beans and rice, rice and beans budget. Anything you can do to increase your income, like tutoring, let's go do it. And uh, let's start attacking these debts just exactly like George said, smallest to largest. And it's going to take you a little while to clear $70,000 in debt. When you get that clear, you can start talking about buying a house. You may go rent something in the meantime, but I wouldn't buy until you get this mess cleaned up. Live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, it's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. George Campbell, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Thank you for joining us. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Starting this hour off is going to be Jenny in Columbus, Ohio. Hi, Jenny. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi. Thanks for having me. Sure. How can we help? Uh, my husband and I are on Baby Step 2, and we are all in. I've got a second job. He's working overtime. We're selling everything but our kid. Um, we're all in. Good. However... Um, we are looking at anywhere, depending on what option we pick at the dentist, we're looking at anywhere from ten to $50,000 worth of work needed on my husband's teeth. Um, I don't know how to do that without taking on more debt. What's your household income? 170. Well, I do. You save up $10,000. Well, okay, so the $10,000 gets us 10 years, they said, and then he'd probably have to have the work done again. Do you still think that's the best option, or should we wait, or should we try to do the $50,000 option, which is a fix for the rest of his life? Um, B or C, none of the above. I want you to go go talk to two other dentists. Okay. I'm calling BS. Okay. Unless your husband has some kind of disease, 50000 is out of control. I am oh, not okay. a medical it's for, professional. It's for implants. I'm, it's for dental implants. I know, but it's not. Okay, then it's not fifty grand. Let's go shopping. Okay. Let's go shopping. Okay. 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 Um, because the, the thing, I, the, I, I don't know beans about being a dentist, okay? Uh, but what I do know from having sat in this chair for 30 years is that I've had a lot of people bring me dramatic numbers like you just did, and I send them back to the marketplace, and they there's a lot of other ways to do this, and turns out, and a lot of uh, different pricing structures and so forth. For some reason, when it comes to medical or dental or things like this, we, we don't shop like we if, – if you were buying a car and someone said you could buy a $50,000 car or a $10,000 car, you would say, okay, uh, tell me about it, and, and, and then I'm going to keep looking at cars. I'm going to keep shopping. And then I'm going to have a lot of things to compare with, not just two of these options. So, But for some reason, all of us, you included, uh, just accept, well, it's 50000 bucks. The dentist said so. Um, Doc said it's this. And no, there's a you know, uh, vast array of pricing structures in that world. So I want to go shopping, and then, yes, I'll put let's pretend you can fix this for 10 or 15,000 bucks or 20,000 bucks even. Okay. For implants. Okay. okay. Uh, something more permanent. And then you don't have to cheap out, but you also don't have to go bananas. Okay. So, um, then, then the answer to your question is how do you pull that off? You make 170, you just slow your debt snowball and pile up 20 grand, depending on the urgency 
the amount of pain he's in or whatever it is you're facing is how fast you do it. Uh, if it's me and I'm hurting, we're going to do it fast because I'm a complete wuss. You want it over with quickly. I, I, I don't do pain. I'm a wuss. Mm. Sharon has the pain tolerance of a Navy SEAL. Uh, I get a hangnail and I'm in the floor crying like a four-year-old. So, no, I mean, so I'm going to go, I'm going to write some checks yeah. and get out of pain is what I'm going to do. But anyway, so I just depend on the urgency of the situation. And, and if, if what she's saying is true, let's say 10,000 buys her 10 years. Well, 10 years from now, you're going to be in a very different place financially. In two uh, years, it might be debt free and you could do whatever you want. I don't know if I want to rent my teeth for 10 years. But anyway, the, I'm confused. I didn't know it was like an HVAC. Like, well, this thing will keep it running for the next 10 years. I don't know what they're doing to his <laughs> mouth there. It's a very strange <laughs> well, diagnosis. I, I can tell you this there's um, the cost, it's 400 and something thousand dollars to become a dentist now. And then buying into a practice would be another half million or so. Mm. And so there's a whole business side of dentistry that allows them to sell a vast array of products. I've fallen for it. Every time I go in there, they have a new technology they've purchased that can now do this new thing. And it's for $50 a tooth. We can do this for you. Otherwise it'll be 300 later on if you get the cavity. And I'm like, I don't, it's so stressful. That's called practice management. That's sometimes they're in in sales, which is medical talk for sales. Okay. So, um, I, I, I'm not accusing this dentist of malpractice. I'm just saying he's, Willing to no, sell implants are the most willing to sell piece. old Jenny a Bentley. That's all I'm saying. So, I'm seeing uh, on Google, Dave, one to one to five thousand dollars per implanted tooth is what the going rate is. So if he's talking many many teeth, could it, be fifty grand. It could be okay, depending. All right, all right. Well, Google. But, we know Google's right. Always right. <laughs> I go to WebMD for all of my health <laughs> needs. Yeah, yeah. If you go to WebMD, you're dying. You have three days to live. That's it. You got three days to live. Everything is three days to live. Or it's a minor head cold. Three days to live and a thousand dollars a tooth. Yeah. Three days to live. Yeah. I, I seriously shop at Jenny. That's what I would do. And then if you need 20,000 bucks, slow down your, you got 170 coming in, slow down your debt snowball enough at the speed of the urgency to come up with the 20K. If you're going to wait 10 months, that'd be $2,000 a month. We're going to do it over 10 months. If we need to do it right now, we're going to have to stop everything and do it over two or three months, right? And so, uh, however quick you can build up the 20K, but it is going to impact and slow down your debt snowball speed because this is something you have to deal with your your husband's uh dental health does matter and we're not we're not blowing that off hey thanks for the call open phones at 888-825-5225 thank you for joining us america we appreciate you being here and uh i mean this is how it's done boys and girls we you know it's um Man, George, your brand new book coming out next week, Tuesday, January the 16th, here. called Breaking Free from Broke, The Ultimate Guide to More Money and Less Stress. You can see right there on the cover, there's a millennial holding up the wall. That's all you need to know. So if they, if millennials can hold up walls, then they can do anything, right? I had so, to flex my muscles that's there. That's it. You want, yeah, that, that, yeah. I've got an interesting question about this, Dave. People keep asking, well, how is this different from the total money makeover? And it's been an interesting question because I believe it's very different. The first two-thirds of this book are really unpacking probably the most in-depth we've ever done on the toxic money culture, all of the different types of debt with research from yeah. you know these last few years. I mean, if you want some in-depth stuff on any of the financial things moving around out there, this book's got it in there. And Total Money Makeover has none of that. 
Total Meme Makeover is the baby steps. It's mm. how to do it. How to do the baby steps. Yeah, this book has so, a just. I cover the baby steps, and I go, cat's out of the bag, but we're going to have to unpack why to do the baby steps. Yeah. What's underneath this all? The research in this and the snark in this is incredible. So, But let me tell you, living on less than you make, living on a budget, being generous, getting out of debt, saving money is going to be in every Ramsey book. In one form or another. Nothing new under the sun, yeah. says Ecclesiastes. We, we, didn't, we didn't change that for Jade or George or Rachel. It's going to be there. So uh, every Ramsey money book, anyway. It's not going to be in John Deloney's book, but even part of it's in John Deloney's book. Yeah. So there. So, so I mean, be sure to pre-order. January 15th is your last day to get $100 in bonus items at RamseySolutions.com slash store. Thank you to so many of you who have already done that. I hope this book helps you take the right next step with your finances this year. George Campbell, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host. Thank you for joining us, America. We're glad you're here. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Our question today is brought to you by Neighborly, your hub for home services. No more scrolling through pages of Internet results. Neighborly is the one place you'll find a variety of home service professionals that you can rely on to do the job right, or Neighborly will make it right. That's the Neighborly Done Right promise. Learn more at neighborly.com slash Ramsey. Today's question comes from Sherry in Vermont. Hello, Mr. Ramsey. Can you please explain why the most common form of income mentioned is gross income, not net income, when discussing budgets and personal finances? I find it confusing because in my mind, the deducted taxes don't count. You can't spend what you owe the government. So if you include that, it makes it seem like you have more discretionary income than you actually do. Thank you for the clarification. Well, um, it depends on what we're talking about. The problem is, honestly, um, Sherry, the too many people don't know. <laughs> I want to say this delicately. They don't know what to flip their own money is. I mean, so here's the thing. If you make uh, $60,000 a year, that's $5,000 a month gross before taxes. But if I ask you what your net is and you say $2,500, which is $30,000 a year, then I've got to go try to figure out, because you apparently don't know, whether you have taken out 401k out of that, health insurance out of that, whether you have your car payment deducted out of that and it's going to your credit union. That's not real net, but it is what you're coming home with because you had all this other crap taken out of your check. And so a lot of people don't really understand that net, what you get your take-home pay because people have other various things taken out is not germane. I can tell what's going on with your gross, but I can't. And I know about what your taxes are based on your gross. But, uh, and, and then I can do the calculations while we're sitting here to help you move towards getting out of debt. But I'm well aware if you make $60,000 a year, $5,000 a month, that you're not getting home with after federal income tax withholding $5,000. I know that. But I also know that you should be getting home with a lot more than some of you are. Because some of you have too much taken out of your check. Your deductions are wrong. Some of you have uh, other things that aren't taxes coming out of your check, like I just mentioned. And so when I say take, when someone gives me take-home pay, I really don't know what they're talking about because it could mean so many different things. But I can back into it from gross and know where you stand. So that's why I use that figure. But it's not because I don't realize there's taxes taken out 
It's because I do realize there's a bunch of other crap taken out of other people's checks. And sometimes they're so confused by that because you really can talk to somebody that's a $5,000 gross and they're getting home with half of that. Or if they have a regular income, they can be very confused based on what's going to come in that month. What's your take-home pay? So the, hey, what did you make last year? If you're year? self-employed, you know, you don't have a take-home pay. Mm-hmm. You know, and unless you set yourself up on a salary and you've done withholding, then did you do your withholding correctly? Because way too many people get a tax refund, which means you have too much coming out of your check for taxes. It doesn't mean Santa Claus lives in Washington, D.C. And so if you have too much coming out of your check and then I use your take home pay number to try to help you with your finances, then I've participated in your in your stupid mistake, you know, and so that that's why we do that. Because the only reliable number to back into things is your gross. And yes, obviously, Sherry, we do realize it comes out. Taxes do And we come use out some round that. numbers, too, when we're just on a five-minute phone call. We're not digging in to the exact mathematics, but yeah, yeah. your brain is I mean, the lady a few minutes ago, 170000 is her gross. And I know she's not getting home with one hundred seventy, but I also know that with one hundred seventy gross, she could come up with fifteen or twenty thousand bucks for her husband's teeth. I mean, I can. That's They're taking the, home not, eight not, or nine. They could probably live not off rocket half. surgery to do that basic math right there. And so, uh, but I don't have to actually go. Well, let's see her tax withholding. And I don't have to. You don't have to do all that. She's out of one hundred seventy minus income taxes minus food. She can still find twenty to fix her husband's teeth. I mean, that's just just doesn't take a you know, sixth grader to do that. So, uh, hypothetically, but that's why, that's why, uh, I know you can't spend what you owe the government. I'm well aware of that. They, they take so much from me that it, I can't breathe. Aiden is with us in Tampa, Florida. Hi, Aiden. Welcome to the Ramsey show. Hi, how you doing? Better than I deserve. What's up? Great. Um, I'm 22. I just got married in October. My Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we make uh, around $115,000 right now. We both contribute 10% to our IRA for work. We're debt-free. And our question is around housing. We have enough for about a 10% down payment on the house we want to buy. And our question is, should we go ahead and do that and pay the PMI, or should we wait a couple of years and just save up 20%? Well, I doubt it'd take you a couple of years. You'd probably do it by a year from now, couldn't you? Yeah, I think so. I think the math I was looking at, it'd be about a year and a half. Okay. All right. So you'll be a whole 24 years old when you buy your first house. That's the goal. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. I like that. No. I just, I mean, it's okay to do it the other way, but the PMI is so stinking expensive, man. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. 75 bucks a month per hundred thousand. So it's $225 if you do a $300,000 house. What does this house cost? Aiden, what's this house going to cost? Yeah, about a three hundred thousand is what we're thinking. My yeah. uh, my wife works for a home builder, so we get a good deal. So you got thirty, and you want sixty. So the question is, how quickly can we save up another thirty? Making one hundred fifty. You really ought to be able to do that in a year, dude. You, you have yeah, other debt. Yeah, that's what we're thinking. You said you had you know, no other no debt, debt at right? all. Oh, good. Nope. Yeah, I think I'm going to sit down, do the budget, and tighten up, and say, "Hey, we're not going to buy that thing, and we're not going to buy that thing, and we're going to save for a house." And uh, that's what I would do if I were you guys. And you're investing 10%. You're in baby step 3B. And so if you so choose and you wanted to do this in six months, you could pause investing or bring it down to a match or something like that in order to speed this up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think, you yeah, can, yeah, I think you'll be – and if you're building a house, the two, you're not going to be closing on it when you break ground. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly you could, you could break ground you know, next spring, one year, 
and uh, and still have time to get the money together to have the twenty percent down. So I, I like I just don't want to give them PMI. Private mortgage insurance, folks, if you don't know, is foreclosure insurance. It pays the mortgage company in the event they have to foreclose on you and they lose money. That's what PMI is. It's private mortgage insurance. It protects the lenders, not you. It protects the lenders. It's not life insurance. It's not insurance. You are buying someone else an insurance policy. It's a risky borrower fee. That's $75 a month per $100,000. If you're buying a $300,000 house, that's $225 a month. On top of your interest that you're throwing away. Yeah. it, yeah. it definitely hurts. But I was in the same spot as Aiden, Dave. We bought our first townhome was $300,000. It was a new construction build. And every delay, I was happy because it was more time we could save up. And so we were able to put down well over 20% because of that. And it allowed us to pay it off even sooner. Did, did you, you didn't purposefully cause any delays, did you? No, <laughs> that's just the construction business, Dave. I learned, I learned I had to, I had to manage the project myself. I had to show up there and be like, that towel bar is not even centered on the wall. I'm not a construction expert, but I feel like it should be centered. Wow. And so a lot of things need that to be That really fixed. happened, didn't it? Yeah, it's real life. That's what, that real, you really did do a towel bar thing, yep. didn't you? Because that you had too much passion about that for that. So to be much an passion about the towel bar. That's um, but you know you've been in Nashville a long time. The amount of construction that's gone up in the last five years even is wild. And these builders, you know, they're they're moving as fast as they can, but they run into delays and subcontractors are moving around and going to the next guy who will pay them a dollar more. And so it can be it can be tough. Now things have slowed down, which is great. You get a little more attention on these builds. Yeah, probably keep the towel bar centered now. Keep the towel bar centered. That's all I ask. Big I'm deal. OCD. It's got to stay Big symmetrical. Deal a big deal but new builds as you know dave they can be a blessing and they can be a, a curse <laughs> and so we were happy to have it but getting there was a journey the amount of blue tape on the walls dave every little George, nook and cranny you blue taped them too i blue taped the heck out of those walls oh, man you're that guy yeah okay they wow. they didn't like me they were ready for me to be done yeah gotta get rid of ocd george it's the biggest purchase of my life dave i wanted it OCD done right george he's the towel rack guy the blue tape guy i've complained more at chick-fil-a to get the order right let alone my house oh you complained at chick-fil-a it's happened are you going to heaven they're not always perfect <laughs> they're not always angels dave <laughs> this is the ramsey show George Camel Ramsey personality is my co-host today. Sarah is with us in Seattle. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, Dave and George. Thanks for taking my call. How are you? Better than we deserve. What's up? Well, my husband and I are pretty young. We're 24. Um, over the last three years, we've paid off all of our debt, you know, college and a car. We've paid for our wedding in cash. But since we started working, we've actually tripled our income. So now it's about $400,000 a year. Good Lord. What do you guys do? (laughs) We work in tech. In what? In tech. Okay. They work in tech in Seattle. So I could guess where that might be. Okay. Well, good for you. Way to go. Congratulations. Uh, You know, thank you so much. Um, And that kind of leads to my question. You know, as the baby steps lay out, we're moving on to the next phase of wealth building, we've maxed out our 401ks, our HSA, contributing to an IRA, some mutual funds. We don't have a desire to buy a house soon, but you know maybe we'll just save up for a down payment to be able to do that down the line if we choose. But since neither of us grew up with this kind of wealth or anywhere close to it, all of it kind of feels excessive almost. So how do you guys think about what a reasonable amount is to be saving versus spending 
you know, we don't want to be excessive savers and missing out on generosity and enjoying the now, but also we don't want to be excessive spenders. So since it's new territory, I was curious if you could share your insight on that. There's a lot of wisdom there. Well done. Very well done. Oh, thank you. Um, well, the experience that most people have, and I've had it as well, is that as your income increases and it goes places you've never been before, it takes your emotions a while to catch up, which kind of causes you to ask this question. Yeah. Okay. It's like, you know, give an extreme example. Um, I mean, I own Ramsey Solutions. Our gross revenues here are about $300 million a year, and I've got 1,000 team members. We spend more on coffee than I used to make. <laughs> you know, it's kind of it's kind of emotionally mind-blowing. You know what I'm talking about? And so yeah. um, it, it's, uh, I, it's hard to get your head around. So how do you go? And it almost feels immoral or unethical unless you really start to put some, uh, you know, put put some help to it to help with the emotions so one of the things i've discovered and i i you know when i'm working for instance with a pro athlete i'll use this um is we just always say uh, sharon and i work off of percentages we say this mm-hmm. percent of our income um if i get a check in from a publisher total money makeover check comes in which is usually a pretty nice check each year uh and that check comes in a percentage goes to investing a per certain percentage of that preset a preset goes to additional purchases and enjoyment a preset amount goes to uh, additional generosity additional investing uh, now 50 percent of it's gone before we start because 40 percent goes to taxes and 10 percent to tithe because we're evangelical christians okay so that 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 leaves me the other 50 percent to split up among fun investing and additional generosity and so we just put a percentage on that. And so that's what you can do. You can just say, right. so for instance, here, you're in baby step four and you're saving towards a house. So I would put 15% of my income towards retirement, right? And you ought to be doing that anyway. That's a standard baby step move. And right. uh, th- then I'm going to put X percent for enjoyment. And then you kind of like have to spend that on enjoyment, even if it feels weird. <laughs> Yeah, because when you were yeah. thinking about it, not in terms of a purchase you wanted to make, but you were just thinking about it in a, in general terms, and you said, "Okay, we're going to spend ten percent of this money on us." As an example, I just pull that number out. Okay, so that's forty thousand mm-hmm. dollars of just increased lifestyle, and that's a, that would be leaving ninety percent for everything else, taxes and generosity and investing and everything else. So that would be. You know, we can't really say that would be crazy, but yet then when you get ready to spend forty thousand dollars on something, oh my gosh, what in the world? That feels so weird. But it helps you to do that because oh, I've done my generosity, I've done my investing, and 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 these are amounts I came up or percentages I came up with. So because your income could go to six hundred thousand, then what are you going to do? I don't want to. I wouldn't use yeah. an amount. I would use a percentage. That's really helpful. I think that's exactly my word, not worry. I mean, what a blessed problem to have, but, um, you know, as we're 24, so presumably this isn't going to be the peak of our income. And so thinking about it as percentages is so helpful. I, I hadn't thought about that before. Yeah, it'll, it'll keep you from, uh, underdoing an area or overdoing an area. Yeah. Because you thought about it and you've thought about it in ratios 
when your head was calm, not when you were, because if you wait to, until you're looking at an opportunity to support a, a thing with generosity, a ministry or something, you're emotionally involved then. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I want to help that thing. I want to, I want to cause the, I want to help those people with that situation. Uh, these hungry kids or whatever it is, right. By then, by then you're already, you're already deep into it. And you, then you start going, well, you know, I don't know if this is right or not. And I may be going too much and you could do too much. You could get all caught up in the, you know, the, the beautiful little children that need some food and you could just give away every, you know, you go crazy. And so that's, you, that really helps to lay out ratios. Yeah. Well, I think of it as that kind of tire and you don't want a flat tire. If you're only saving and you're not enjoying it, you call into the show and you're just clenched fists. And, uh, you know, some people can be very, very generous, but I've, I've a hard time finding people who went broke being generous. So that's a great one to flex. And the spending side, people call in and say, Dave, I've been following you for 30 years. I can't stomach spending money. And Dave's like, go force yourself to do something fun. And so if you look at it those, through those three buckets, it becomes easier. Give, no, save, spend. I mean, the first time you spend X, Y, Z that you've never spent. Makes you want to throw up. On something, you go, what in the world am I, have I lost my mind? Even if you're a spender, you stop and question, you know, am I out of control here? I bought a car that cost that? Oh, my gosh. I used to buy houses for that. You know, I mean, it's like, golly. And so, yeah, you, it, it is emotional. And, um, but, you know, the good news is once, you, and the first time I gave away $10,000, I thought, man, I'm rich. I mean, only rich people give away $10,000. I thought this is a big deal. And now $10,000, I mean. It's and like, then you kept up to, upping it every year. Yeah, the other and, year you gave away a million dollars in a day, and that was a big goal for you. Yeah, was fun. To, to get there. And so, but it wasn't. I mean, I couldn't even, I thought I was so cool in one sense. I gave away $10,000, you know, and then, and then I was like, oh, wow, you know, uh, but then you get satiated to it and what will keep you from going out of control is to have some boundaries and those, those ratios are good boundaries. It's kind of the opposite of lifestyle creep when you're not living on less than you make. This is someone following the plan going, how do I increase the right way? Mike's in Washington, D.C. Hey, Mike, welcome to the Ramsey show. Hey, Dave. How are you? Better than I deserve. What's up, man? Uh, not, not too much. I have a question. So I, my employer offers a 401k and, uh, I just finished up my first year of work, maxed out my contributions to it. Uh, found out we have the ability to make Roth contributions. Great. So I, I switched from 12% pre-tax to 12% Roth. Awesome. And, uh, so now that I'm contributing, making Roth contributions, I lose that deduction that I was getting for making pre-tax contributions. Correct. And other other than an IRA, a traditional IRA, yeah. I'm curious what other avenues there are to kind of make up for losing that deduction. Okay, Here, let, let's let's reframe that because you you traded a pre-tax tax deduction making the entire account taxable when you get ready to take it out. So if you have a million dollars in your 401k at retirement, a hundred percent of it's taxed. If it's a pre-tax 401k, you traded that for tax free. You didn't lose the tax deduction. You traded a small tax deduction for a huge tax free gain. So that's a good trade. I'll make that trade every day. I hate taxes, but not bad enough to to just, you know, do something stupid like avoid a Roth. No, you did the right thing with the Roth. 
there are no big deductions out there. This idea that the rich people have all the deductions is a bunch of crap. Unless you run a business or you've got something you can depreciate, you don't have big deductions out there. And don't go do a traditional just to get a tax deduction. It's the last call for our two-night virtual event, Dave Ramsey's Investing Essentials. It's set for May 21 and 22, and you do not want to miss this. I'll unpack my personal playbook on investing and real estate and show you how you can feel confident in your investments, too. Tickets are $199. Snag a VIP ticket, and you'll get two sessions with a Ramsey Preferred Coach. You can join from anywhere. Go to RamseySolutions.com events and get your ticket today. George Campbell Ramsey personality is my co-host. Heidi is in Bowling Green, Ohio. Hi, Heidi. How are you? Hi, Dave. Um, I'm doing well. How are you? Better than I deserve. Bowling Green, Ohio, hometown of Scott Hamilton. It is. It is. And, yeah. And the National Tractor Poles and, yeah. And, and I believe Dave, Dave, there was an old runner back in the day, Dave Waddell. You probably don't know that name, but yeah, that was a long time ago. Uh, anyway, how can I help? Uh, okay. Okay. So my question is, first I want to say thank you so much for taking my call. And you are an answer to a bold prayer that I just said yesterday, and I'm so grateful to get through. Um, but my question is, we, my husband and I, um, we've been blessed with four kids um, that we raised. We have our, our baby is a senior in high school. And now um, my husband and I are trying to buckle down and figure out how to ride this next um, season and um, to the best we can financially to, you know, hit retirement in a good note. We have our home that we live in, and we also have a five-acre piece of property that has uh, four rentals on it, four rental homes. It also has a large barn, but we've had a hard time renting the barn out for um, anything. But we have, um, through this process of um, raising the kids and um, selling a business that we had for years, my husband went back to school, and um, they called him Grandpa Daddy, but he graduated first in his class, so he was a, he was a good Grandpa Daddy student. He, um, but we, have, we took out two HELOCs. Um, we have a HELOC on our home and a HELOC on the rental. For what? Um, the, for what? Yeah. Well, what'd you buy cover, with that money? We just covered expenses while he was in school because you, my, oh, so he did, he wasn't um, working. No. Oh, crap. He, he yeah he he worked a little. And you bit weren't working. Year. Y'all y'all didn't have any money to eat, and so you borrowed money to eat. Well, I was working, but my income was not gonna um, was not going to fill the gap of his not working. So, how we long had, did he um, not work, and how much money did you guys rack up? Well, he did not work for about a year, um, and in that time, we had um, we went from I guess over the course of a few years, we went from. A really large income. How much do you owe on these two HELOCs? That's what I'm asking. On the HELOC. On the first one, we owe twenty nine five. What about on the other one? And the the other one is thirty nine five. Okay. So you borrowed 
seventy thousand mm-hmm. dollars when on the year that he didn't work. And what is his degree yeah. in? He is now a substation electrician. Okay. And what is his income now? Well, he's still climbing each year because um, he's he's been at his job for three years now. But currently, um, he works. He is working a lot of overtime, but he makes about a um, hundred and ten. Okay. What do you make? And and I'm. I'm currently home. Okay, so you have $110,000 income. You have $70,000 in HELOCs from this mess. Any other debt? Well, well, we have 140 income because we get rental income from the five acres. So another 30 no, in um, rental income? Do you have any other debt other than these HELOCs? We have, um, no, we, we drive crappy cars. And you're how old? <laughs> we... 52. Okay, so how quick are you going to clean up $70,000 making 140? I I hope I would love to do it in 2 years. I think you should. But but I don't I would also my other proposal thought is do we sell the 5 acres with the rentals because over the next 10 years from what like I'm calculating if it makes a profit of 216,000 I don't know if um, I don't know if it's worth hanging on to or just trying to sell it for and what would it bring? Everything. I think it would bring. I think it would bring at least my husband thinks four hundred and fifty. Okay, so you got a half a million dollars sitting in the middle of your coffee table, and you don't own this farm. Would you go buy it? Uh, no. Then sell it. Okay. If you wouldn't buy it again, you shouldn't keep it. But do you think it's possible to get out from under the HELOCs? Because then that would be paid for total. It's possible. If you make $140,000, surely to God you can pay off seventy in two years. It's only $35,000 a year out of $140,000. You've got to struggle through on $105,000 minus taxes. Right. I think you can do that for sure. And or... You can sell the other property. I don't think you're required to sell the other property, but it doesn't sound to me like you guys are. You're not enjoying it. It's a headache. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you didn't own it, would you go buy it? No. It was an instant answer. You didn't even think about it. So obviously it's not, I mean, if you, if you wouldn't buy it again, folks, that means you need to sell it, whatever it is, other than your spouse. I mean. <laughs> and you said you only got one more kid at the house. Said the baby is a senior in high school, so it might be time you go back to work and help help speed this process up so you can retire with dignity. Because you said that was your goal. Yeah. But if you sold that and you cleared the HELOCs, and then you just start pilot, stacking cash towards retirement, you're going to be just fine. You're going to be okay. It's just a matter of which way is the rest, the way you want to go at it. 20 years from today, do you want to own that farm? And um, if you ask me that about several of the properties that we own, the answer is yes. I very seldom sell a piece of real estate. But occasionally I look at it and I go, God, if I, didn't, I wouldn't buy that. If I didn't own it. And that means you got to get rid of it. That means it's time to move to something else. And I've got a couple of those. I'll, uh, I, I have moved a couple of pieces of real estate over the years. But 90% of the stuff we buy, we keep forever. Uh, that's our goal. So, But, you know, it's okay to move it. There's nothing wrong with it. Good question. Thank you for joining us.
Canada's on the line. Dale is calling. Hi, Dale. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. How can we help? Hey, hey guys. Um, I'm just wondering, um, I hear you guys talk all the time about um, if you own vehicles with large payments on them to sell them and downgrade to smaller vehicles. But I guess my question is, if I've got vehicles with negative equity, how do I do that? You have to cover the negative equity with a new loan or savings. Okay. How much negative equity do you have, Dale? Um, well, we have two vehicles and uh, a travel trailer that we, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that we don't use anymore. So we're deciding that we're because we're not using it, we might as well get rid of it. Yeah. So the trailer, the, let's just take the trailer. What is it worth? Um, it's worth about uh, about thirty. And what do you owe on it? Uh, Forty-seven. Okay. So would you rather have forty-seven in debt or seventeen in debt? I'd rather have 17, but I just wasn't sure yeah. if that's the best way to do it or if there's some other options. That there, there's not another option. you got to cover, the, you gotta cover the, the negative in order to give a clear title to the buyer. And so that's the problem with being stuck upside down in these things. So you could go to you know your local credit union and see if they'll give you or the place that holds the loan and say, listen, I'm underwater on this thing. This you got bad collateral here because this thing's only worth 30. I owe 47. I'm looking for a 17000 loan to cover the difference and get rid of this thing. Yeah, let me sign a note for the difference. And if it's a local credit union, they might do that for you. Yeah. You know, if it's um, Trevor Trailer Finance Incorporated, they're not going to. Yeah. You know, because you're not running trouble. You're going to have to go to the local credit union borrow the seventeen to get out. But I'd rather you be 17000 in debt than forty seven. That'll speed uh, this especially up. Especially on a trailer that's sitting in the yard that you don't use and wish you hadn't bought. So there Man. you go. Uh, or you come up with a difference. If you got it in savings or you can come up with it quickly by the way travel trailers are not evil but if you're out there sitting there thinking today that you're going to go buy a fifty thousand dollar one and a fifty you need to know that it's going to be worth 30 in about 45 minutes and so don't finance it for sure you know be ready to take the hit that's how this world works this is the ramsey show live from the headquarters of ramsey solutions it's the ramsey show where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. The phone number here is 888-825-5225. George Camel, Ramsey personality, host of the George Camel with a K YouTube channel that has absolutely exploded in listenership and subscribers. Thank you. Viewership, I guess you say on YouTube, but thanks for doing that. The team just let me know, Dave, we just hit, I think, a record over a million unique viewers in in the last 28 days on the YouTube channel. So thank you to everyone who's been tuning in. That's the fastest we've ever gotten to a million on anything on the Ramsey Networks. Wow. Fastest. So thank you. We've had some get bigger, obviously, this show and so forth, but but the fastest to a million is you. Way to go. Wow, I'll take it. Nice sprint. Nice sprint. Well, the team does an amazing job, and we make those videos entertaining while informing the people about personal finance, so I appreciate it. If you like this show, you'll like that one. Jessica's in New York City. Jessica, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Better than we deserve. What's up? Um, So... My question is, so in late 2022, my boyfriend and I invested $100,000 in my family's fast food franchise business. And then so in 2023, we've since made $11,000 back, and that's currently in a high-yield savings account. Um, My question is, should we keep it in that savings account until we've accrued the initial investment back, or should we reinvest the $11,000 that we've made? 
Okay. How much did you put in? I put in 30. My boyfriend put in 70. Okay. And you made an 11% rate of return. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so the franchise is not doing that well, huh? Well, yeah. I don't know. You ought to be making a lot more than that. Okay. You ought to be making a lot more than 11% on a small business operation. Okay. Um, you, okay. So, so the 11,000 what it is really not a joint amount. You, a portion of that is yours and a portion of that's his, correct? Yeah. But for the, the purpose of this question, we can view it as a joint amount. I just want to know, like if it was fully the 11,000, yeah. what, what should it we has do? nothing to do with recouping your investment. I just wouldn't put any more in this. Um, mm-hmm. so I would, I would take that money and just do something else with it. And I would not view it as a joint account. I would view it as separate because you're not married. And so it's mm-hmm. not legally a joint account. You don't, you do not have an LLC managing this. You don't have a joint, you don't have any kind of joint venture agreement. This is two individuals that dump money into an account. So it is separate legally. You don't yeah. have a choice in that matter. Um, and so you ought to separate it and his portion should be the return on his money and your portion should be the return on your money. And then you guys go and do with that in your personal finances, each of you, not joint, uh, what you should be doing. But no, I I wouldn't put it back in there. Um, You've already put enough in there. Put a lot in there. Now, if she's talking about investing the money instead of having it sit in the savings account, if we're talking five plus years, you know, if she wanted to take that money and put it into mutual funds or an index fund, is that something that... Yeah, but I'm, I'm guessing they probably have some other financial goals, like getting out of debt or saving money for a house, that kind of thing, that that money should be moving moving in those directions yeah. even rather than as an investment. But should I, would I roll it back into the franchise? No, I sure would not. Uh, a small business ought to be returning Oof. double that. Um, and and um, so, that no, I would not. Thanks for the call. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Jasmine's in Cleveland, Ohio. Hi, Jasmine. How are you? Good. How about you guys? Better than I deserve. What's up? So my father passed away unexpectedly in December. Uh, oh, I'm December sorry. 13th. How old was he? Thank you. Uh, 56. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. So we are dealing with debt loss right now. He had one um, life insurance policy. Um, I was awarded 25% of it, and also my five-year-old daughter was awarded 25%. Uh both of our portions value at uh, just a little bit over $18,000 each. Mm-hmm. Um, my portion, we plan to, uh, me and my fiance, we plan to pay off debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, with her portion, though, um, obviously it's with her. I want it to stay with her. But she's five years old, and I wanted to know, uh, get some advice on what are the best options to possibly invest it or yeah, I, I would put it in some mutual funds in a college fund in a 529. Uh, go to RamseySolutions.com and click on SmartVestor and find some of the SmartVestor pros in your area that we endorse, that we tell folks to go see because they have the heart of a teacher. And uh, I would I would get her 18000 sitting in a 529. Um, and, uh, and, I, and then I'll step over into the other part of your statement, much like the last mm-hmm. caller. 
uh, you and your fiance aren't doing anything until you're married. You are yeah. doing things with your money on your bills. Don't you dare pay his bills with this. Well, we do have plans to uh, be married. So when? Uh, we planned it in the next month, actually. Okay. After you're never, married, never. after you're married, you have shared accounts and shared assets. But until yeah. that ring is on your finger, and this is official, do not use any of your money to pay his bills. Please. Please, for your sake. Okay? Now, once you're married, yeah. then it's all it's all in. We're all, all the money's in the middle. His, yours, you know, my debt, your debt, my money, your money, all that. And uh, but, but until you're married, because if something happened until you're married, you, you know, you have zero protection on this. So it's just dangerous as crud to start to, to start handling your financial transactions as if you're married when you're not in both of these cases. And we take those calls when it was supposed to go perfectly according to on paper and then life happened and it didn't work out. And then someone's going, wait, I paid off your debt and now we're not getting married. What, what do we do now? Well, or, I mean, all kinds of things Ugh. happen that we don't know are going to happen. And, um, you know, sometimes it's uh, ugly things and sometimes it's sad things and other things. So please, 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 folks, do not have joint accounts for your $11,000 when you're not married. Do not take your dad's 18000 from your dad's passing away from his life insurance that he left his daughter and pay bills for a guy you're not married to yet. Mm. After you're married, it's not a guy you're married to anymore. He's now called your husband. Now we are one, and now, yes, we can pay any bills with it, whatever, whatever we decide we're going to do. But, guys, you, you cannot treat these things the same because you're, you're going to get yourself in a pinch. And I just, uh, we love you too much to see that happen to you. And um, we run into ugly situations where people misbehave. We run into sad situations where people die. We run into all kinds of things. And um, we've seen it all. And, 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 you know, as long as you, you know, things don't always turn out exactly like your little plan. So until you're married, don't be combining assets. Do not buy a house with someone you're not married to dumber than crud don't do that i was just talking to you right then you out there you know who i'm talking to this is the ramsey show Hey folks, the Total Money Makeover 20th Anniversary Edition is now here. I believe the success of this book is all about the hero stories. People who felt overwhelmed and stuck until they found the least complicated money book they ever read and learned how to work the plan and actually build wealth. Go to RamseySolutions.com store to get the Total Money Makeover 20th Anniversary Edition and become one of the new Total Money Makeover heroes. George Camel, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. We're glad you're here. Ruth is with us. Ruthie is with us, rather, in Orange County. Hi, Ruthie. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Um, so, you know, I currently live in California, which is, I grew up here, but it's high cost of living and where... Not aside from the house, consumer debt's about 150k that we have, and I was thinking about relocating to Tennessee, um, as a lot of Californians have, and maybe just 
either used a profit from our home here. It did increase in value in a short amount of time. And maybe just get a house cash and then help speed up the process of getting us out of debt. I don't know. That's a good idea. What is your, uh, what's your home in Orange County worth? Um, it's about a million, 135. Okay. And what do you owe on it? Uh, about seven, a little over 700,000. Okay. So you got $500,000 in equity and you have $140,000 in, um, debt. So that leaves you 350000 to buy a house with when you make your move, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, a million two in Orange County is probably three fifty in some other areas. Uh, not New York City, but it could be in Tennessee for sure. Um, mm-hmm. It could be a similar property, actually, depending on where in Tennessee you landed, uh, or Texas or Florida or whatever, but um, wherever you decide to go. Uh so financially, obviously, that changes things. What does your husband do for a living? What do you do for a living? I am a registered nurse. I work from home. Um, I bring in about one thirty nine a year. Mm-hmm. He used to be in sales, but, um, you know, he's in his early 50s and kind of aged out of it, really. He's, he's working with um, special needs kids, really, at one of the local high schools now. He just got the job. It's bringing about forty k, really, a year. Well, that's not that hard to replace then, and you can do your job from anywhere, right? Yes, from anywhere as long as in the U.S. Okay. So I keep my same salary, really. Okay. So you you can you know you can handle the career change, you can handle the real estate change, you'd be dead free to make the move. Um, then the only the, the bigger question than all of that is. Um, you know, just because it makes financial sense doesn't mean that your family is going to want to do this and that you're going to be happy and that you need to do this. I mean, right. you know, <laughs> it, you know I've, I've got a good, I've got a, I was with a friend of mine last night that just moved to Nashville from California and, um, oh, wow. his wife grew up in Orange County and, you know, um, they're, they're settling into Nashville. It's a different culture. Sure. Um, yeah, you know, that's part of the hesitancy. Either I, I mean, the other plan was thinking about maybe just chugging it through and, I'm, you know, I'm on baby step two, really, just trying to get out of debt. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, so the answer the, the answer to your question is, is financially, mathematically, everything you're saying makes sense, but that doesn't mean mm-hmm. you should do it. The reason you should okay. do it is, is it makes you happy, it causes you to be excited, and you get out of debt and pay cash for a house. Not, I get out right. of debt, pay cash for a house, and I'm miserable. True. So you guys got to... Yeah, would you still want to move if you didn't have any debt? Would you still want to move to Tennessee? If yeah. the answer is yes, this could be a great move. Yeah. Yeah, or if you wanted to move to a different state of income, start a new adventure. But um, it sounds like like my friend's wife, who grew up there, her the access of the world for her runs through Orange County. I mean, the access for me runs through the middle of Nashville. That's where I grew up. And so, uh, you know, where I'd have moved to Orange County, it'd be different. It'd be like being on a different planet, you know. And so. I pay um, to see that, Dave. Yeah, it'd be different. It'd be weird. But yeah, but I'm so, you know. You could, so, make, you could pay off 150 making 180 That's not impossible. You could do that in two years. So Three years, you know. It's yeah. definitely doable. 
uh, yeah. if you're willing to make the sacrifices. The question is, where do you want to be 10 years from today? Living, physically, geographically, where do you want to be living? And um, then that needs to make your overall decision. Uh, in my friend's case, they left California because of the political situation, the ridiculous actions around the Fauci pandemic, and the crazy but taxes. Uh, they paid cash for their house here in one year of income tax savings, not living in California. Wow. Well, we got no state crazy. income tax here in Tennessee, which yeah. is another blessing. And so that, you know, for them, it, it was like, you, you know, the state of California ran us off is the way they feel about it. Well, we saw the migration uh, numbers, too. It's the second largest Pretty state wild. for losing people. New York lost the most. California lost the next most. And um, most of them went to Tennessee, Texas, and and, Georgia, and Florida. Is where there's the three most, uh, uh, I don't know, incoming with the, with the shift in migration. We've had a huge migration, but the migration is completely in all of these cases caused by the politics, and and the taxes associated with the politics. And so, um, you know, that, that's you cannot tax rich people when they can move away. They will leave. They don't have to stay. And so this idea, we're going to tax all these rich people, and then they all just load up the truck and head away from Beverly Hills, that is, swimming pools and movie stars. So there you go. I mean, they, they leave, buddy. I mean, that's what happens. And so you see these migrations. And uh, so what you've got is a perfect storm between uh, several of the political issues along with the uh, pandemic issues which are really political issues is what they came down to and, and then you mix in the tax issues which really is a political issue when it gets right down to it but these four you know one or two of them people can stomach but when you start putting three Stacking four five them. of these things on there then people move out of michigan they move out of uh which is the third one uh they move it out of california and they move out of new york it's i mean this is not an opinion it's a statistical fact um u-haul is making a killing uh, I mean, it's like they, 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 you know, they think Governor Newsom is just an incredible marketing. Thanks for the business. Yeah. Oh man. So, um, that's what's going on. So, it's Ruthie, but I, I'm not. It's not. I'm not saying you're dumb if you stay, because honestly, I hear sadness in your voice when you're talking about it. It sounds like you're sad, and you don't want to move somewhere just to be sad, even though the math works. I wouldn't do that. I, if you if you can look at it as an adventure and a new chapter in our life, and we're excited about this, and it'll be fun and be different and uh, whatever, then yeah, that's fine. But uh, but but only the the math works on what you're talking about. But just because the math works, that's not the only reason to do it. it it's it, one solution doesn't mean it's the solution. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Samuel's with us in Columbus, Georgia. Hi, Samuel. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, Dave. Good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. I'm a long-time listener. So Thank you. I'm calling to get some help um, and advice on how to best assist my um, mother and her husband, who are both struggling financially and medically. How old are they? Both about in their early 60s. Okay. What's the medical situations? So her husband has had uh, two strokes. He had his second stroke at the beginning of last year, around this time. Um, so he's very, very like, incapacitated. He has some other residual medical problems. Mm -hmm. My mom, she has high blood pressure um, and 
Um, she's also unfortunately obese, morbidly obese, mm-hmm. and uh, they both are. But um, they're both partially. So, uh, I mean, if you sit down and coach them on their money, will they take your advice? Well, I, I'm not sure, sir. Okay. Um, then you might be wasting your time. I mean, you can't make grown-up people do stuff. It's there's not a law that allows that. So. Um, you, know, you, so, you could cover a medical bill, but we need to find a sustainable solution. Yeah, I would sit down with them and, and figure out where we're going and what are we going to do to get there, and then you can realize what participation you need to do. But if you start throwing money at this and they're digging a hole faster than you're filling it in, uh, that's not going to work for anybody. So you got to get a holistic approach to this, and that'll help you get there. Hey guys, are you ready for the secret to help you reach those money goals that you've been dreaming about? It's simple. You got to get on a budget. With our budgeting app, Every Dollar, you'll get intentional with your money and build the habits that will make those dreams a reality. And we'll be with you every step of the way, from your first budget to that retirement home on the beach. Download Every Dollar for free on the App Store or Google Play. Remember, today, download Every Dollar for free on the App Store or Google Play today. George Camel Ramsey personality is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. All right, let's catch up a little bit. There is a company called Standard and Poor. They are one of the companies that rates things on the stock market. The most famous thing that they rate, there's a company called Dow Jones that has an average of the industrial companies, which creates the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is a little strange because a lot of the companies are not industrial anymore that are part of that it's average. An old-timey term. But it, can, it comes from the, you know, when America was more uh, manufacturing-driven than it is today. Uh, the S&P, Standard & Poor, rates the top, the largest, 500 companies that are publicly traded, meaning their stock is sold on what we call the big board, the New York Stock Exchange. So these are the largest 500 companies that sell stock in America. And that means they have a, that the, as this group of companies goes, is a good indication of what the economy is doing. It's a good indication, certainly, of what the stock market is doing because basically they make up the stock, the vast majority of the stock market. So the top 500 companies on the New York Stock Exchange is called the S&P, Standard & Poor S&P 500. Now, that's important because that's actually a better way of measuring what the stock market is doing than the Dow is, okay, or the Dow Jones Industrial Average or any other measure for that matter. This is a very generic measure, and people in the financial world use the S&P 500 as a, as a plumb line to tell what the market is doing. So if a, if a mutual fund, for instance, outperforms the S&P 500, that means the mutual fund is making better returns than the market as a whole. If it underperforms the S&P 500, it makes less returns. So all that's important. Um, nice article, uh, James, our producer, pulled up for us. If the S&P 500 hits a new all-time high in 24, you can expect a strong year of gains to follow, according to Ned Davis Research. The investment firm crunched the numbers and found that when the S&P 500 hits at least 
one record high in a given year, that year's median return is about 15%. So what they're saying is, is that when the, when the stock market tops out and has a new record, that is almost always a year that you get great returns. Well, duh. Obviously, if the stock market's hitting a new record, you ought to be getting great returns. It kind of makes sense, right? So, Good foreshadowing, um, guys. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it makes sense. That's encouraging. It's an, it's an interesting it, – it, it is – it is a valid statistical correlation, so I like the, I like the study. The S&P 500 has tended to post double-digit gains in years with record highs, uh, Ned Davis Research said. The data point highlights two typical characteristics of the stock market, that strength begets more strength, and that stocks don't typically crash from all-time highs. Uh, so just because it goes way up generally means it's going to go up. It doesn't mean it's going to go right back down, and that makes sense, of course, too. Of course, this stash is not a slam dunk. Uh, the S&P is less than 2% away from hitting a new all-time high. If it were to do that in the next day or two or the next month or two, then a uh, you know a, the historical data indicates that you're going to have a great year, mm. which also makes sense because it wouldn't have hit a high if it wasn't or hadn't moved towards a great year. But it doesn't just jump up there and then jump down. Uh, so all this to say we're close to hitting a new record ever in the history of the stock market it up and if it hits that that is a great indicator that 24 is going to be a great year to have invested uh which means that if you're waiting until after the presidential election in november to do your investing that's probably a dumb idea if you got some money you're sitting on right now i would buy your mutual fund like tomorrow Right now. And if you're thinking about pulling all your money out because you saw some headlines, don't do that either. Yeah. We found that if you just ride this roller coaster over time, you're going to hit a new record high and a new record high. And, those and then the it's going to go down. Way. And then it's going to come up. And then it's going to go down. And then it's going to come up. This is how life works. I mean, it's how the real estate, it's how the real estate market works. It's how mutual funds work. It's how the whole you know stock market works. The S&P 500, all this does that. So here's the deal. You got 100000 bucks, and you wait till November. And this market hits and does what this study indicates, and it makes, let's say it makes 15%, which was the average, the median, okay? So $100,000, and you don't invest it. You wait till November, and uh, the market goes up 15%. What'd you lose? $15,000. Because you didn't do what I just said to do, invest. So you stock, and let me just tell you, real estate's exactly the same place right now. Is real estate going to go down? No, it's not. We have a tremendous shortage of housing. There's more buyers, even in a sluggish, slow market where people are sitting on the sidelines because interest rates spiked up. Now they're coming back down. They're coming off the sidelines in the last two weeks like never before. But um, if you wait a year to buy a house because you're somehow waiting to time the market, you've got this mysterious insight that you think things are going to go down, you're wrong. And if you wait a year to invest in the market because you're waiting on the market to come down, you're going to miss it. And if I'm wrong, give it another 12 months and I won't be wrong because it'll come up. I mean, really. Uh, so I, I got to tell you, what would Dave, what is Dave Ramsey doing right now? Buying. Period. Investing. Period. I'm not waiting on the clash of the old men. Trump and Biden, I'm not waiting on two 
80-year-olds to have an MMA to decide what I'm going to do. Because who, who the crap knows? One of them may break a hip. Well, it's, it's more like bumper cars that are running out of battery bumping into each other more than a clash. It's like two Muppets. The dirt was the old men Muppets, right? So Statler and Waldorf, is that them? That's him. Oh, my gosh. So you don't wait on this. Don't sit. Don't watch Fox News and CNN and, and let your butt sit on the bench. Get in the game. Shoot the ball. Fire. Pull the trigger. Whatever, whatever metaphor we need to use to cause you to actually do the investing. Sports, weaponry, whatever it takes. And whatever it takes investing. to get you moving here. We'll do we'll go whatever whichever direction you need to go. And this validates a lot of what you've been saying for thirty years, Dave. We looked at historical data and the S P five hundred average annual return is ten to twelve percent. And they're saying right here, this is gonna could be a year about fifteen percent median return. And people always go, Well, Dave, I'm not getting that in my account. Well, yeah, dummy, not in a given one month period, well, you see that, but over time, the, the average is the average. That's how averages work. Averages. I think we all need to go back to basic statistical. math. Yeah, these these uh, these these sixth grade math classes that people flunked. But yeah, that that's the thing. So so all of this to say, boys and girls, please be steadily investing. Please, the people that invest are the ones that have money. There's a high correlation between people who save money invest money that have money. Hello. Why was that deep? You know, if you don't, if you don't put any money in the account, please don't expect any money to be in the account. Why is that hard? Well, there, but just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Just I think keep there's doing a lot of fear. And it's why I love, you know, working with a financial pro, uh, smart investor pro, great, great person to work with, to reach out to a financial advisor and investment pro and go, help me understand this. And you make the decisions. And they're not going to pull the money out for you. You are calling the shots here. And they're going to help you understand the perspective that we're showing you on the show today. Yeah, you can pull up the historical data and look at the track records, look at the trend lines. It's really not hard to understand. I mean, it's really not. I mean, if you pull up in a neighborhood and there's cars up on blocks and the gutters are falling off the houses and the place, everything you see needs weed eaters, then, then you know, and then you pull up the MLS data on that neighborhood and you see the values have been going down it's not a it doesn't require rocket surgery to figure out that this thing's going down in value i mean you know it's just not hard and if you pull up in the neighborhood and everything's manicured and it looks like freaking leave it to beaver lives there you know and you go pull up mls data on that you're gonna see a line up and to the right hello well it doesn't take a rocket surgeon to figure that out either go buy a house in that neighborhood this is these are trend lines. It's historical data. You can watch this stuff. This is the Ramsey Show. Our scripture of the day, Proverbs 13, 3. Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Robert Frost said, half the world is composed of people who have something to say and, ca- and, and can't and the other half who have nothing to say and keep saying it. Well, since we're on the air with a live mic, we pretty much have to fill up the time. So uh, guilty is charged. Dave's going to keep saying it. G- guilty is charged all the time. Robert is in California. Hey, Robert, welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, Mr. Ramsey. I just wanted to say I'm a huge fan. Uh, my economics teacher from my senior year in high school introduced me to you uh, through the Ramsey Solutions Investment Calculator. 
Um, wow. Just to, yeah, just to let you know, uh, the main problem at hand is my father is pretty much not allowing me to get a part-time job while I'm a full-time college student. That's like the main issue at hand. Um, the background on it, though, is my father came to this country uh, as a refugee during a civil war in his home country. And he has a bunch of brothers and sisters, and they ran into a cycle uh, because they never really had any guidance uh, through financial, where the second that they would get a job, which was a minimum wage or you know close to minimum wage, they would spend all of their money. They wouldn't save. They wouldn't try to invest. They wouldn't do anything with their money. They would just spend it all. And, you know, even now we're still see. I have a bunch of uncles and aunts. I don't have a single uncle or aunt that is financially well off. The only person in my family that is financially well off is my father. And that is because of my mother. And because, because of, of your mother's discipline or she brought money to the table? My mother's discipline. My mother uh, showed up. It, it was to the point where there's a story. In my what mom country did he come from? Uh, El Salvador. Say again. El Salvador. It's uh, oh, El Salvador. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, all right. And um, I had to put the Tennessee um, a- accent on there to understand. Okay, and um, yeah, I'm sorry. El Salvador. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but the <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the uh, um, all right. So, what's your dad do for a living? He is a CHP officer. Okay, and oh, you are, and he is paying for your college. Uh, my mother is paying for my college. Well, your parents are paying for your college, and you live at home. Yeah. Yes, I live at home. Okay. All right. Well, um, you come, like I do, from a culture of honor. So honoring your father is very important. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Okay. That's a good thing. And so... um. Uh, number one, you're not going to work unless he's going along with it. And, yeah, and that, that's, that's honoring that's him, him and that's honoring your mom writing the checks for you to go to school. You're going to go along with their plan. Okay. Absolutely. Now, then okay. the next, then the next thing is, is there any way you get a hearing with him? And, um, you know, what I might do is say, uh, dad, I have admired your work ethic and mom's work ethic and discipline. And I think I can do some work and not be irresponsible with it. And would you, yeah. would, would you coach me, mentor me and let me try it for one semester with you watching my behaviors and see if I get out of line and let's, let's run an experiment, dad. And the only way I would do that, though, is if I can do it and honor you, Dad. Yeah. Okay. And so I want to honor your request, but I'm asking for you to help me try this as an experiment. If the experiment goes the way you think it's going to, I won't ask again, and I'll go through school without working. If the experiment goes well, and I'm able to do this without any kind of debt, and I'm able to do it without becoming irresponsible due to working, which is his fear. If I understood you right, then, yeah, then dad, um, then, then, then maybe the experiment turned out positive and maybe we can extend that. Would would, why don't we try this? But I need your help to, to, to make sure this is being done the way you want it done. Dad, that's different yeah. than you rebelling 
and saying, you know, in a sense, using the attitude, the old man has no clue. So you're going to do whatever you want to do. I would never endorse you doing that. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it wouldn't work. Biggest role model. Yeah. yeah. And so it wouldn't Ro- work. Robert, what was your goal in working part-time? What would you do with that money? <clears throat> well, to give you some background, um, I followed up with Mr. Ramsey since I was 17. I, I remember coming home to my mom because my mom has a better credit score than my dad does and begging her to uh, let me piggyback off her credit card as a 17-year-old. And because of that, now I have a 750 credit score with my own credit card. Well, you and, didn't get that from us. Oh no, I we didn't tell you, to you do I that. decided to take a because of you. I decided to take a bunch of financial classes in my high school. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and so what are um, you going to do with this money? <laughs> invest it. I just want to. I you know, it's it's to the point where in order to get any type of income, I've been having to do side hustles behind my dad's back. I do computer repairs for my friends. Uh, I do digital repairs as in, you know, I do IT work uh, across the internet on Twitter. Um, even one of my friends has contacted me to open up an e-commerce business with him. Uh, I like, I have been trying to get any sort of income under the table. Uh, I already have my emergency fund set up to over a thousand dollars. And then in flat cash, I have around $300 and I've been investing like a dollar a day just yeah. for the past year into the Vanguard S and P 500, just a dollar a day. Yeah. So, Dad, you risked your life for our family to have an opportunity to start in the land of the free. Yeah, and uh, part, of the, part of the yeah. free is free enterprise, and part of the free is the ability to go into the marketplace and earn. And uh, I, I want you to walk beside me and show me how you think I ought to do that in a way that's responsible. Uh, that's a lot better than under the table hiding and deceiving your father you don't want to do that that's not going to turn out well for you so good question sir good question honored to have you in our listening audience we appreciate you being there Jana is with us in athens georgia Jana, right quick for a run out of time what's up hey real quick um i'm curious on how i get started on with my budget when i have so much looming debt over us i'm really been laser focused on trying to get our financial situation fixed since before the holidays. And when I try to look at the budget and I'm thinking about the four walls, it, 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 it's hard for me to navigate where to even begin. So can you cover the four walls right now? Food, utilities, shelter, transportation? How much money do you have left after covering those? Um, barely anything. What's your income? And so my income between my husband and I is 82000 a year. And how much debt? Um, so we actually not counting our house for like $115,000 in debt. And that's all been accrued since we bought the house. It's all house debt. Yeah. You're not spending $82,000 on food, shelter, clothing, transportation. You're saying after your debt payments. No, okay, well, I'm personal loans. Yeah, that's not, that's not, your personal loans are not four walls. Your four walls are your basic necessities. So there's only one way out of this. You got to make more money, sell all the crap you bought and decrease your expenses. And use all the extra margin at the debt. Smallest to largest balance. How much, how much do you owe on your cars? Um, between both of them, fourteen nine. They're not the problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know what else you bought. Yeah. Let's get you into the every dollar budgeting app. Uh, we'll pay for it and uh, the premium version and get you started here. And um, it's a great and, paycheck planning tool in there that will help. Yeah, and we'll go ahead and put you in Financial Peace University so you guys can do this. But the two of you are going to have to sit down together and figure out what of our lifestyle we're going to cut, 
what we're going to do to get our income up and our outgo down. And that's what George is saying, and he's exactly right. So hold on. Austin will pick up. We'll get you signed up for every bit of that. So the four walls are basic food, and that includes no eating out. Electricity and water, utilities, does not include cable. Okay, that's not a necessity. It includes clothing, although you probably don't need any. You've probably got enough to wear if you're up against the wall. Uh, shelter, so you got to pay the house payment or rent. And transportation, you got to keep the cars running. So Gas you can get, in the tank. So you can get to work. And that's it. That's your, that's your four walls. Everything else is not a necessity. Everything else is a bad Monopoly game. That puts us out of the Ramsey Show in the books. We'll be back with you before you know it. In the meantime, remember, there's ultimately only one way to financial peace, and that's to walk daily with the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. If you're a leader, your personal growth matters for your organization because whatever you lead can only grow as much as you do. I know from experience. I've been CEO of Ramsey Solutions for over 30 years, and now I'm sharing that leadership and business coaching experience with you on the Entree Leadership Podcast. I'm taking your calls and helping you figure out how to overcome challenges within your organization. One episode could change your business. Check it out on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or on the Ramsey Network app.